AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And I'm Scarlett Fu. It's a busy week for baseball fans. MLB's All-Star festivities kick off tonight with the Home Run Derby. Of course, the trade deadline is coming up soon as well. And we know that Juan Soto, star outfielder, uh, has rejected a 15-year, $440 million offer from the Washington Nationals. That would have been the largest contract in baseball history. So the question is, what's going to happen uh, before the trade deadline on Tuesday, August 2nd? Maybe the Nats will move him. Of course, that's on the big league level. But we're going to start with a headline that really starts with minor leaguers. And it's something that the big league players have have been engaged with and are very invested in. Major League Baseball agreed to pay $185 million. It's part of a settlement with minor league ballplayers who say that the league was unfairly exploiting them. So for more on that and how this came about, how long it's been anticipated, let's bring in Bloomberg Legal News Editor Peter Blumberg. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Happy to be here. So let's talk a little bit about this settlement, because this is a case, a dispute that's been going on for years, right? That's right. It's been kicking around since 2014. So that's an eight-year odyssey. It was filed as a class action suit on behalf of players throughout the minor leagues. The defendants in the case were all 30 uh, MLB teams. And uh, it was brought by minor league players uh, who were seeking uh, pay for a minimum wage and overtime violation. And according to the lawsuit, how much were the players earning in the minor leagues? Well, uh, they claimed that they were earning, uh, quote, poverty wages. And uh, studies have shown that on average they were getting paid uh, $5,000 to $15,000 a season. Now, of course, the uh, the MLB uh, has provided them over the years uh, with some benefits, uh, including um, food, housing, uh, health care benefits. But the key thing is that the MLB only recognized their uh season their their championship season as the as the time when they were getting paid they weren't being compensated uh for spring training and extended spring training and instructional leagues so they were really being treated as seasonal workers not year-round employees 
I see. So it's like they were working for free for the time when they're preparing for the season that they were paid. That's what they claimed. Yes. Okay. So by contrast, the average MLB player makes more than four million dollars a year, and according to folks who have studied baseball contracts, they can't be paid less than seven hundred thousand. So that's a huge contrast between、uh, what you make in the minor leagues versus what you make in Major League Baseball. So, Peter, this really shows just how much. Um, minor league ball players are willing to put up with for an opportunity, a chance, maybe to one day make it to the big leagues. That's right. That's right. And they claimed in the in the lawsuit that they should be getting,、uh, you know, at least、uh, minimum wage. And there was a law written into the the federal code in 2018 that that actually exempted them from federal wage laws, and that was a law that, of course, the MLB helped to get passed. So one of the most important provisions in this agreement, beyond just the amount of money that's going to be paid, is there's going to be. A removal from the contract of、uh, a provision that forbids the teams from uh, pl- uh, paying them minimum wages for these periods outside of the championship playing season.、Mm. So now that the teams will not be barred from paying the the,、uh, the minor leaguers a fair wage. I'm still intrigued by this idea that the players filed their class action lawsuit in 2014. It's actually been up and down the court system.、Uh, oh. It's been through several appeals. It went all the way to the U.S.、Uh, Supreme Court, which refused to dismiss the case in 2020,、mm-hmm. and then it、uh, came back down、uh, the ladder to. The trial court and to a judge in San Francisco who issued an important ruling back in March that sided with the minor leaguers on a lot of key issues and also、uh, found some some violations that、uh, that ended up with like a two million dollar award for a, just a small piece of the lawsuit, but. When the settlement was re- reached this、uh, summer, it was the case was only a few weeks away from going to trial, and there was substantially more at stake than the 185 million dollars they settled for.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, it looked, you know, it, it, as with any legal settlement, each side、uh, figures out what its risks of going to trial are. And they decided.、Uh, each side decided that the settlement was the best idea to avoid the trial. A trial could have been embarrassing for the MLB、How、if、so? it had. Well, just if it had exposed the disparity that you spoke about earlier,、mm-hmm. um, with the you know the, the huge gap in what the minor and major league players are paid. Yeah, it would it would just invite、and、a lot of scrutiny had, and bad would, press. It would have had minor league players、uh, as witnesses testifying、mm. about their standard of living,、mm-hmm. um, eating peanut butter sandwiches to, to to make ends meet, that kind of thing. So I'm curious then, in terms of what else MLB is going to do when it comes to、um, the player development system and the minor leagues, is this kind of just one step along the process, along a bigger effort? It is the uh, the, the majors. Uh, Are are also implementing additional changes to sort of add some you know some other benefits for for minor league players, 
and uh, it's an ongoing process. There's also, you know, there's also been some some scuttlebutt about uh, the, the minor leaguers uh, trying to form a union. We know that the parties both announced that they had reached a settlement, but they didn't disclose the terms. So is it unusual that we now know the terms of the, of the settlement? N- no, not at all. Um, that's just part of the process. And uh, the next step will be asking the judge to approve the settlement. And the judge is the final has the final say. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, um, which is also not unusual, about a third of the $185 million will go to uh, the lawyers uh, for the players and for, for, for costs associated with the litigation, which will leave the players themselves, uh, thousands of minor league players going back uh, more than a decade, uh-huh. uh, you know, who've been in and out of the league with about $120 million that will be divvied up among those oh. uh, players, the ones who signed up uh, on, you know, signed on to the class action. And th- the amount that individual players receive will just be uh, calculated according to the records of when they played and how long they played. More of a f- moral victory than a financial victory when it comes down to it, though, right? I mean, because they're setting precedents for what happens going forward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as I said, um, that contract uh, change is is the biggest is mm-hmm. the biggest part of it because it's gonna it's gonna benefit players going forward. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Peter Blumberg is one of our legal editors here at Bloomberg News. He covers uh, all kinds of legal cases, some baseball, some not so much. I know that, Peter, you've talked a lot about um, AIG beating back a baseball lawsuit, uh, seeking lost revenue from COVID, which I thought was really interesting as well. Um, It's not not something that people in baseball think about a lot, unless uh, you happen to be a, a baseball team owner or you're looking at MLB and its status as not a cartel, but it, it's got this non-compete status that, that is kind of special among professional sports leagues, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, and it continues to be an issue that, uh, that gets brought up in lawsuits and in inquiries from Congress. Do you think that's going to stay or is, is there momentum to strip the MLB of that? You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in a position to to comment on that mm-hmm. because uh, so far uh, it has managed to uh, stay despite multiple challenges. Yeah. So uh, the only thing we can say is that it's not going to go away easily. Got it. All right, Peter. Thank you so much, Peter Blumberg, Bloomberg Legal News Editor. Thank you. And that was Bloomberg Legal News Editor Peter Blumberg. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Scarlett Fu. My usual partners in crime, Michael Barr and Damian Sassar, will be back with me in a couple of weeks. Catch us here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, where we explore the world of money and sports. Also, be sure to catch me on Twitter at Scarlett Fu. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. 20